Entrepreneur MBA podcast purpose is to help existing business owners grow their companies past the $10 million in revenue per year benchmark. Here is your host, Stephen Halasnik. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Halasnik, and I'm co-founder of Financing Solutions. And Financing Solutions for the past 12 years has provided very easy to set up lines of credit for small businesses. And I will be your host for today's Entrepreneur MBA podcast. Um, if you're interested in learning more about a business line of credit um, for your business, please visit our website at fscreditline.com. Again, it's FS as in Financing Solutions, creditline.com. You know, I'm, I've always been passionate about the idea that every business should have a line of credit because I personally know what it's like to have a line of credit for my businesses that I've had over the last 30 years. And it's just been I just something I just really believe about. And I think, you know, even if you're not going to use it, it's just, you know, the time to get a line of credit is when you don't need it. So then when you do need it, it's ready to go because it's really not an easy thing to get in place. With us, it is, but it's still, you want to have it ready to go. And just a little bit background over the last 25 plus years, I've built six companies in the $5 million to $25 million range, including two companies that have made the Inc. 500 fastest growing companies in the United States. I love learning from people with business experience, and today I'm very excited to be speaking with Kyle Gillette from Blue Shirt Coaching. And before we get to Kyle, I want to talk to today's sponsor. Today's sponsor is Technology Management Group, or TMG. They have been over for 30 years now, been um, in the cybersecurity space, and you know they're they're great over there. I mean, I really like the owner a lot. It's very uh, a company that's very personable, and they just really know their stuff. So if you are you know looking for a, a solution for cybersecurity? If you're looking for some questions to be answered, if you're looking to put together a cybersecurity plan, if you've had an attack, which I when I talk to the owner, he says that's the time he gets the most calls. Unfortunately, um, then give them a call, or or you can reach out to them on the internet. The their 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 URL is cyberctrl.net again cyberctrl.net uh, and our guest today Kyle Gillette is a mindset and leadership coach to, to business owners who are feeling stressed overwhelmed and stuck he helps his clients be self aware leaders lead with accountability use a growth mindset and empower others. Ultimately, Kyle's goal is to help his clients be more, do more, have more, and give more. He has multiple coaching and behavioral assessment certifications, including DISC, ICF, John Maxwell Team, and NLP. He's a podcast host as well, author, and the creator of The Blue Shirt. So, Kyle, welcome to today's Entrepreneur MBA podcast. Thanks, Stephen. Glad to be here. So... At one point, you know, I I have a number of coaches who have been on this podcast. At one point, did you own your own business? Yeah, I've owned three business, well, four now with this one. So I ran a personal training business as my first business, and then I had a couple uh, stumblings. Let's call let's call them between then and now with this most recent business. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, the largest company you had, how many employees did you have? Uh, when I worked for a pet resort, I had 20 different employees during the other businesses that they've been solopreneurs, solopreneur uh, businesses. Okay. So did you, did you find that uh, 
I, I wouldn't say naturally, but did you find that you were a decent leader in the past or were you a horrible leader <laughs> and you worked on it? Did you say tolerable leader? <laughs> no, intolerable. Uh, a decent, decent leader. Well, I, I like the word tolerable. So I, I was <laughs> at, at the very first the beginning of when I was working at the pet resort, I was definitely tolerable. And then fortunately, I was mentored the whole time I worked there by a, a serial entrepreneur that had run m many, many, many different businesses very successfully. And so he mentored me and then I went from tolerable to good and then I'm just pr progressing from there. But uh, yeah, it, I didn't start off excellent by any stretch of the imagination, but I did get it. I did get that leadership, at least from my perspective, leadership is about people, not necessarily about anything else first. It's about people first and then everything else comes in, into play and it matters, but uh, definitely got that from the beginning and then leveraged that going forward. Yeah, I mean, I, I like today's podcast. You know, when I'm when I'm doing these podcasts and, and I see what's on my agenda for the week with the podcast, um, you know, sometimes there's certain topics that resonate that I'm excited to see. Um, and you know, today's topic, the the listening leader, how to build a culture of trust and empowerment. When I first saw this this morning, I was like, you know, I had another uh uh podcast a couple of weeks ago on on leadership and um, honestly that she wasn't very good I thought but um, but this particular podcast the style that people are are willing to accept now or not willing to accept want is a listening leader now right aren't they because in you know a hundred years ago, it was somebody who said, you're going to do this and you're going to do that. And that's all there is to it. And that, you know, old school type of leadership. Would you agree that, that what resonates with people now is the listening leader? Yeah. I think people, if you, if you think about leadership, it's kind of grown up with the employees. And what I mean by that is at first it was just like you said, you do this, it's dictation. It's sit in the, it's like the classroom. You sit in the chair, you raise your hand when I tell you to raise your hand, you put it down when I tell you to put it down. Now they're growing up and now we're getting kids that actually think for themselves in the workplace, right? Employees that think for themselves, instead of just raising their hand, they're actually contributing creatively when the leadership allows them to, when leadership is open to that and creates a culture like that. So I think over the decades, we've grown up with the employees when the leaders are actually smart about it and genuinely empower their employees. And that that's a big difference, especially in a knowledge, knowledge working context that we're in now, instead of that more industrial context. I mean, I know they both exist still, but in the knowledge working, you, you need to allow people to think for themselves. And in order to do that, you have to listen <laughs> and listen well. Yeah. the pro I think the, you know, people would say, I, I know I struggled with this um, I struggled with giving constructive feedback in, in a way because you have, uh, let's say this, the, uh, I, you know, I hate to say kids. I really don't. I really do. But you have the younger generations and, you know, God forbid you should say that they did something wrong. They're like, oh, oh you know, they're devastated. Right. Whereas when I was younger, I mean, uh, that's all you heard. You would you would never hear positive mm. reinforcement. You would only hear negative. And um, I'm not saying it was a great thing, but I certainly didn't crawl up in a in a ball and 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 uh, you know 
die. You know, I, I, I'm not saying it incredibly motivated me because I don't think that was the right way either, but you know, and I, you know, and I have another comment about listening leadership and I'll, I'll wait for that one, but let me, you know, do you find that too, is that in this style of being a listening leader, that giving constructive feedback is an art form? Yes, it has to be. There, there's research done by a lady named Nancy Klein, and she wrote a book called Time to Think and a bunch of other books too. But she's been doing research and conversations with business owners and, and leaders for three decades plus. And they found that the ratio, the proper ratio for appreciation to criticism, appreciation to you know feedback is five to one. So if, if I can find a way to create appreciation five times for that individual, I'm investing in that that emotional bank account, if you will. And then I can withdraw with that one comment that's a little bit of a feedback and it doesn't negatively impact the relationship. It actually is useful at that point because they know that you appreciate them enough to receive that feedback and then they can respond appropriately to that. So it was really interesting. They tried to do it at a 10 to one ratio and it was just impossible. It was too difficult to find the leaders to, to have them appreciate someone 10 times to one feedback. But when they discovered that the five to one actually still works just as effectively, then the leaders were able to, and they as, as leaders themselves were able to be effective with that, that ratio. And, and five to one is reasonable. You know, I, I can find five things that I appreciate about the people that I'm leading, the clients that I have, and then give them some feedback that's a little bit harsh, if you will, or, or direct. Yeah, I, uh, well, that's a hard one. I, five to one. I, I, could, I, I used to hear two to one, you know. Um, God, it's amazing that we have to pump people up like this. <laughs> it's just really amazing that we have to um, coddle our employees that much, you know. So there's, I mean, there's a reward though, right? So if I'm, if I'm creating a context where I'm appreciating somebody five times versus the one time that I'm kind of getting at, getting at them and giving them that really good and instructive feedback that frees them up to really think and feel safe. Like they can say what they want to say. They can, they can feel what they want to feel and do it in such a way that it's innovative and creative and helpful. If the ratio isn't quite that good, and this is an average, right? Some, somebody like me, it's more like a two to one. Somebody like someone else out there might be a seven to one or eight to one, but on average, you know, a five to one, when you do that, the reward as the leader is the innovativeness and the and the creativeness that comes from it. And when a business, excuse me, when an employee gets to be innovative and creative, then they own their position. And ultimately, that's what we want, as you know, what we want from our employees, for them to own it like, like an owner. Nobody's ever, that's an employee is going to be really like an owner, but at least move in that direction. <clears throat> and so that ratio really helps move them that way. Yeah, I mean, I know the feedback on me as I improved as a leader was that I'm a, uh, I was considered, and this again, I, I, I was not a good leader in the beginning. Um, I really worked at it, and I know that a lot of people would say about me was that uh, like they they loved working for me for three reasons. One was I uh, I'm very supportive. I give my employees all the tools they need. And this is not about me. I'm just giving examples. Um, I was very supportive. I made sure my employees had all the tools they need. Number two was I, I, um, I created, I always gave, 
I looked for things that my employees were doing right. And I would, you know, say something about that. And, um, um, the, 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 the third thing was, um, as I got better at it, I listened well, right? What I didn't do good on and what happens with me, they didn't say this, but I, I have a lot of anxiety when it came to giving feedback, you know, because it was always so take, never taken very well. You know, and it, it would can't cause me angst, you know. So how does, let, let's go back into the topic here. And that is, you know, how does being, a, like, what would you recommend about being the listening leader about, you know, and uh, tell, tell us some of your recommendations. Sure. Yeah. I, there's, from my experience working with my clients, working with, with people, uh, leading them, I've discovered that there's really five components to empowering employees or five components to listening well so that they are empowered. And the, the first one is not something that most people think about. So what was the last great movie that you watched in the theater, Stephen, that you're just sitting on the edge of, the, of your seat and you're riveted, fully engaged with that movie? Oh, God. It's, it, it's been a long time. I, 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 I hate to say to you, but I, I, I can't. Uh, can I say a series? Sure. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a series called physical and it's about, um, it's, it's about a woman who, um, is, uh, it kind of takes place in the eighties. It's not a true story. And just to make a snapshot, I would would highly recommend it. Uh, it it takes place in the woman in the eighties. She is a, uh, aerobics instructor, She's hitting aerobics before anybody else knows about it, but she has um, an eating disorder and you can hear her thoughts and, and she's very, very negative. She makes fun of everybody and everything in her mind. And, but she she has a major eating disorder. So, Hmm. okay. That is such a perfect example for where I'm taking it. (laughs) I really appreciate it. It wasn't, because, rehe- it wasn't rehearsed. Right, exactly. So the idea here is you know a ton of details about that story and you actually get to do some mind reading with her because she's sharing her thoughts via the show. Yes. And the concept here in the first component of empowering and being able to listen really well is to assume that the person that you're talking to is fascinating. Assume that they're really, really interesting. And what that does for your unconscious mind is as we get a million bits of information from our unconscious mind every second, we can only grab onto about 125 of them consciously, right? And so when I assume that the person that I'm working with or that's working for me is fascinating, they're really interesting and they have something to share that's worth paying attention to, then those 125 bits that I'm grabbing are going to be focused on that part instead of the negativity that she has. So all she's focusing on is the negative bits. And so she grabs a hold of those. I mean, I could look at the space behind you and get negative about the space behind you real real easily, right? Or I could look at behind you and look at the design above your hearth and look at the photos and stuff and be real positive about it. It's just a choice I need to make. And so when leaders start with the choice of this person is really interesting, really fascinating, their unconscious mind tunes into that employee in a very different way than if they hadn't of intentionally chosen that. So you do that. And then the next step or next part of the process 
is to study. And people in leadership think, okay, study. So I'm going to read this book and that book and blah, blah, blah. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about studying the person and getting to know them for who they are and what they're about. And since you get to know the mind of this main character in the story, that's what I'm talking about for your employees. We study them. We go, what makes them tick? What, what is their wiring? If you're familiar with like DISC or Enneagram or any of those tools out there, that's, that's a kind of a cheat code to get to know them a little bit. But ultimately, it's those what I call them as two to 12 minute coaching conversations where someone comes in and they interrupt what you're doing because they have a problem that they're bringing you. And instead of solving it for them, you go, they're bringing me this problem. What what am I learning about them as they bring this problem to me? And what is going on with them that I can learn from and then reframe this conversation and hand it back to them, which is the third step, which is truly listening to them and then empowering them to think for themselves by asking a question, an open-ended question. And I always recommend the simple question, what do you think? When someone comes to you with a problem and they want a solution from you, they're farming their thinking out to you. Instead, you just give it right back and say, well, what do you think? And now because you've, you're fascinated by them, you're comfortable with asking that question because you assume that they have a great answer. And because you've studied them, you know what to ask and how to frame that question in your body language and your tone of voice so that they're responsive to it. So then they give you a response and now you can hold them accountable because it's their answer and the likelihood of them following through on it is much higher than if we just tell them exactly what to do. So now I can hold them accountable to the thing that they said they're going to do. And then finally, how, whatever the result is from the thing that they decided to do based on a good conversation with you, now I can celebrate that. And that's that appreciation, that feedback. If it's a success or it's a failure, small or big, we want to celebrate the effort because they owned it themselves instead of me telling them exactly what to do. Now, of course, you can't do that 100% of the time. I get it. But there's plenty of contexts when you have those two to 12 minute conversations where they interrupt your day or they come in in a meeting or whatever it is that you can offer that coaching to open them up, listen to what they have to say, and then allow them to choose the path. That those five things are what allows people to truly be empowered and, and freely think for themselves in creative ways and, and feel heard and appreciated in the process. Yeah, I know. Um, Looking back early on, um, one of the problems I had, and I think a lot of our listeners would, would um, understand this, you know, it, when you're starting your organization and you're working in the organization all the time and, you know, you're running a, a million miles an hour, right? And it's really hard when you have a lot of things going on and, and as the leader and uh, of that organization – and you you have to all of a sudden change gears and listen, right? It's just really really hard, and because you got you're thinking about all these different things. Someone comes in your office, tells you about a problem they're having, and you're you know you're just not there, right? And I think you have to be conscious of that. You have to be conscious that you have to listen to your employees. Um, and listening doesn't mean you, uh, you have to agree with them or you have to coddle them, but you got to listen to them, right? Because if they don't feel listened to, then they're not going to come see you again. 
Yep. You know, and I, I listen, I was terrible. I was a terrible leader in the beginning and I really worked at it and took courses and, and read books and became more self-aware. Um, and so I think the, the, the nature of this whole podcast about, you know, listening, if you just say to yourself, listen, you know, that's going to go a long way for you to build trust and leadership is uh, agreed. Yeah, 100%. And I think for those that are going, well, how do I do that? In a very practical way, obviously, you just tune in, right? You shut your you shut yourself up and, and tune in. And that's that's very obvious. But when you're not around those people, we go back to the fascination thing. But well, how do I do that, though? How do I when someone annoys me that works for me, and they're not a good performer? How do I tune into them in a way that shows that I want to listen to them and not just tolerate them, right? To me, one of the simplest things you can do is just come up with a few things that you're grateful for about them. And I know we're getting a little mushy here, but this is what's going to move you forward in your leadership when you're struggling with a particular individual. You look at Susie and you're like, you know what? She doesn't perform at the level I know she can, but I know that in this area, she makes a really good effort or this specific area, she's actually really good at. And if you pivot your mind just a little bit about that person, you're going to start to notice the other things that you appreciate about them. And then all of a sudden, though that employee's performance hasn't changed very much, your attitude towards them will impact them. And then slowly it will change as well. There's just, I, when I worked at this men's mentoring program, I was part of a program for 10 years and the guys came in 18 to 25 year olds and they were, uh, let's just say they're a bit lost in life. And most of them had never held a job at all. And if they had, they had been fired or they got, were caught like smoking or doing drugs on the job. It was just not good employees. And they, I was tasked with teaching these guys how to, part of it was teaching them how to live, to have, you know, be responsible for their lives, but second to work in a pet resort. And so we'd, we'd have around a hundred dogs a day. And about a third of the people that worked there were these students that had never held a job, had drug and alcohol histories and were really kind of beat up guys. And so they didn't know how to hold down a job. They didn't know how to be responsible. And what I did was I basically got pissed off at them all the time. <laughs> That's how I started. That was my tolerable leadership to use the word that I thought I heard you say. And it didn't work, of course, at all. And then I started to pivot with some coaching. I got some help from my mentor and I started to, to pay attention to them and listen and know their story a little bit better. And when I knew their story, I had some empathy for them. And when I had some empathy for them, they changed because they, they saw that I was being different. My tone, my attitude towards them was different and they performed better. And if they didn't perform well, of course they were held accountable and they had the conversations, they got the feedback, but there was something about me seeing them in a different light that allowed me to, to understand where they were coming from a little bit better at least. And then they just, their performance turned up and then that paid forward to the rest of the team because they weren't dragging down the rest of the team. And the rest of the team noticed that I actually was noticing their poor performance and calling them out on it. And then over the course of time, everything kind of started to elevate and we doubled the revenue of the business and never had any issues with even those students that had never had a job before, you know? And there was, there was something about me tuning into them that made a difference. And, and I would intentionally meet with every employee, whether they wanted those whether they were one of those students or a college student that was working for me, I would sit with them typically once a week for five to 10 minutes. And we'd go sit in the barn. It was on this, this ranch and there was a barn. We'd just sit in there for five minutes and I'd get their perspective on stuff. 
And I'm not talking about life perspective. I'm talking about business perspective. And just tune in for a little bit. And then they'd go back off to work and I'd take some of that feedback and use it in the organization while I fed back to them what I thought too. And that little five minute meeting once a week with almost every employee was huge. It, it made a huge difference and it didn't need to be scheduled. I just literally pull them aside. Uh, and it, that was, I think that was the catalyst to huge improvement for every single employee that worked there. Yeah. I, um, I did something similar, uh, you know, and what I would do is take, um, you know, my, uh, I would take one employee, um, it wasn't every week, but often I'll take somebody out to lunch and I would sit with them and just learn about them and see what's going on in their personal lives. Um, I found, cause I, I like that. I do that naturally. I'm very, I'm generally interested in people. So for me to, um, um, take a step away from the business and just learn about them as people helped me respect them much more because I saw the struggles that they were going through. Maybe they were wanting to buy a house or they were trying to have kids or they had kids and it's been hard. And, you know, they became people, not numbers, you know, not just an, someone who works for me. Um, and it was really helpful, uh, to be honest with you, with, uh, I had this one employee who did produce very well, but he was really annoying. <laughs> and, um, and when I was able to do that with him, I saw a different side of him and I didn't feel like he was as annoying as I had thought originally, or I uh, appreciated a different side. So, I, I mean, I like what you're saying too, like if you can't do the lunch thing, um, then, you know, having a cup of coffee. Uh, is good. I also think too, like we always made sure that I did, we did performance appraisals. And so in those performance appraisals, I would ask, you know, is there anything you're trying to accomplish in your personal life that you want to share with me that, you know, that maybe we can help you with. And, um, and a lot of, I was really surprised. And a lot of them would tell me, especially the younger generation, they're very open to listening to, um, an older uh, person about what they're trying to do. Whereas when I was younger, you know, I'd be like, you know, let's, I don't want to talk about my personal life with you, you know? Um, so, you know, things have really can change in that area. So uh, it, it allowed me to better um, listen. You know, I, I think one of the reasons why that's happening now is there's not a lot of great leaders anymore in a lot of these kids' lives. They, unfortunately their parents may not be haven't led them very well and so us as business owners and leading them we may be one of the first leaders that actually cared about them the first adults that really truly tuned in besides maybe some teachers in their life but that was they're a kid then now they're an adult and so as an adult they've never had anybody truly care about them or indicate that they're cared about and so when that question arises about their personal life they're, they're like chomping at the bit because they're going, oh my gosh, somebody cares about me because their friends don't do that. Their friends are too busy on their stupid phones, staring at their phones and pointing out some TikTok video instead of actually tuning in to what this person has to say. And I, I it's astonishing to me how simple it is to, to just be present with someone because that's to get back to the, you know, kind of the crux of this whole conversation. Listening is about, it's not about you, it's about them. 
And I think when we're thinking about listening, we're, we're focused on what am I doing when I'm listening? What, what, what are the tactics and everything? Nothing. The tactic is to be present and, and to create a space that makes them feel comfortable to share with you. And that's, that's it. That's your job. And then everything else is, is allowing them just to speak without needing to give them a response in response. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember too. I was just thinking about you saying that because I was I was about to say to you, you know, like I think one of the things that I learned over time is to be more genuine and for let them to know the struggles I have too. So like I would say to them, listen, I'm not great about giving feedback. I, I usually say the wrong thing. And so, you know, please excuse me if I'm um, you know, stumbling over my myself here. You know, they would have they would appreciate that. And um but I know one of the things that made a huge change too was, so I started my first company when I was 30 and, you know, I, the, all the industries that I went into, the, uh, I went, I didn't know anything about them. Like I was basically a good business owner and, but I wasn't a big, a good, I wasn't someone who knew like the industry I went into. I knew the dollars and cents and I knew the, 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 the income statement and the balance sheet and the financing and, you know, all that stuff. And I really didn't care what industry I went into as long as I felt that there was an opportunity there. Well, because of that, and the, the first and uh, second, well, really the first company I went into, uh, which was technology, I, uh, I, information technology, I didn't know it really well. <laughs> and so, you know, when people would come to me, um, asking questions about information technology, I, I've, I was, I, I kind of got angry at them because mm. I didn't know the answer and I didn't want to show that I didn't know the answer. And then finally I kind of real, realized and recognized that I really didn't know the answer. And I would say to them, you know, I really don't know the answer. <laughs> I really don't know. Let's find it together. You know, let's get, let's go find the person who knows it. Let's look it up. You know, this is uh, at the time, this is actually before the internet was a bigger deal, you know, than it is now. Now it's a lot easier. But when I find I made that switch where I said, you know what? I don't know. I felt like I said, I don't, ha I don't have all the answers that changed the dynamic of, of, you know, people respecting me a little bit more. Yeah, that's ultimately in in my coaching. I, I have answers that I could give to my clients. I have insights from experience with working with dozens and dozens of of clients, and they're usually dealing with the same problems. But I don't know their situation exactly. I don't know how they're dealing with their situation exactly. So, I most of my effort in that is returning the question to them, right? Whatever they're, whatever's going on with them, I'm going to put the question back on them. And then back to that, they're going to own it when they come up with their own solution. So it's what a blessing that you didn't have the answers, right? That you, you basically accidentally empowered people in that first business. And then that became yeah, a pattern yeah. for you. What a, what yeah. a wonderful thing to, to step into it that way. I imagine yeah. your success would have been different if you were an expert in the, in that field originally, you would have been like telling people what to do and you have it all figured out, especially at 30, right? Like, <laughs> what did I know at 30 for real? Yeah. So yeah. how beautiful that you had it, you stepped into it that way. Did you yeah. know that? I'm curious. Did you know that you were like, I'm clueless <laughs> in this industry, but this could be a great opportunity because of that. Or did it, you stumble into it? Like what happened? I'm curious. 
Are you saying for the industry or the leadership skill? The, the industry. About? Like, did no, you- I just, I just always picked industries that um, I thought I would do lots of studying of various different industries, and and then uh, this happened. This this one. So this one. You know, it was a great company. It was uh, financially very, very successful. And um, it was in IT staffing. And we placed technology consultants into Fortune 500 companies. And they were, these were really high-end experts. And this was before freelancing was really kind of known. <clears throat> so um, these consultants, um, uh, you know, there was a perfect storm going on in the United States where you had um, – the year 2000 bug, which was where code needed to be fixed. You had something called enterprise resource planning, which was very, very expensive software that was being installed through big companies that needed to be done. You had no overseas development work being done yet. And so, you know, it had like a 10-year run that I knew that we had um, this great opportunity for. So it that a lot of my businesses were that way. They were about finding an a a a growth opportunity and jumping on uh, the rising tide. Um, so that's that's the way it was. As far as me, you know, I I, I think I was actually working with a psychologist because I really felt that this company that that I was that was growing so fast and we were doing so well, I actually didn't like the way I treated my employees. Mm. And I went to see a psychologist about it and she worked with me. And, you know, one of the things that she did really well with me is help me. It was her, you know, she was really good at it. Helped me uncover my own um, issues. Right. And one of them was it dawned on me that I, I was, I didn't really know what I was doing and I pretended like I did. Mm. And that caused a lot of anxiety that came out in me toward my employees. That was just, that was one minor thing. And then finally I just said, you know, I'm just going to say, I don't know, you know, and that changed everything. It just instantly changed everything, you yep. know? Um, so, um, and then the other one was, you know, uh, just, just for everybody to listen, it was, um, anger, right. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, I would get angry. And so she really, what she made me aware of, she purposely would get me angry over and over and over again. And, um, and what I did was, um, she made me realize when, when you get angry, you get dumb, you cannot think you're only thinking about the anger and you're not thinking uh, constructively solutions oriented. And, and um, so, you know, what, what the technique that I learned when she finally made me realize how when anger is just this hot emotion um, that I was, I was, uh, you know, slash back at my employees. What I felt, what I learned was when I was getting angry about something, to recognize I was getting angry and then tell my uh, employee, let me think about it. Mm. And then, and then I stepped away and I calmed down and then I came back constructively and it, and it really, really worked. So um, yeah. So, I mean, this, this gives all of our listeners an example that, you know, that 
leadership skills um, are not always born, that you have to learn, you have to read your watch videos or listen to podcasts and you know you have to improve and it doesn't go it doesn't take long to make these little improvements agreed yeah for sure and you're you're walking the journey of a blue leader really cuz the the b is that b self-aware leader <clears throat> part and that's what you're doing you became you slowly became more and more self-aware yep. but in it you also had the the u which is user growth mindset and you went, you know, I can grow as a leader. I'm going to commit to growing as a leader. And then somewhere in there, I'm sure you had some accountability, obviously with her, you know, lead with accountability was, was in there as, as she held you accountable to that anger and the other issues that were popping up. So I, I love that. I, I think one of the things that for people that are going, I don't know about, you know, this listening thing and what, what's the reward for me? Uh, most people, you know, everybody's heard the cliche work, work on your business, not in it. Right. And we've all heard that cliche and it's it's good. It's a good comment and good thought. But ultimately, I think what's better is work over your business. In other words, not even in it or on it. You're you're, you're just it's something that's in your portfolio and you don't have to you don't really need to do much. And if you're ever going to get to that place, you have to listen. There's no way that if we want that freedom that we started our businesses for, if we want that flexibility to travel to whatever it is, whatever that core reason is that we started our businesses, we're not going to get there if we're not doing a good job of listening to those that are working with us and empowering them. Right. Just like, what is it? Darren Hardy. And I can't remember the other guy's name. They talk about the who, not the how. And that's what this is about. If, if you can ask the right questions, the right open-ended questions, now you're getting to the who and they're going to figure out the how for you. So you don't have to stay up at night trying to figure out the how, because I think that's what a lot of business owners wake up for. They're trying to figure out the how. And that's super stressful and it's not worth it when there's brilliant people all around you, if you can just engage them in a healthy way. And that means that you don't, you're not the hero anymore, right? Every great story, we all know that this, this trope when it comes to marketing, every great story has, has a hero and a guide, but your employees, if we can picture our employees as the hero instead of us, we're, we're the Yoda, we're the guide. Now it's a lot less stressful because we can turn and lean on them to be, to create the success in the organization. Of course, we're hundred percent responsible, but still there's something about being that guy that can, can shift things in a, in a way better way for the way that we experience running our businesses. Yeah. I, I we got to wrap this up and I, you know, I'll leave everybody with this, this thought too, that I want to add. Um, if you, a couple of things, one of them is, is that if you have high turnover, it's not the employees, it's you. It's you and your management staff, okay? Turnover is a function of management staff it's, and, and your leadership. It's not, you're not, you can't pay people enough or, you know, and I, and I, I really hate this when I hear people say, uh, and I hear it all the time, oh, well, there's no good employees anymore. You know, nobody wants to work anymore, you know? You know, nobody was ever an incredibly great employee, okay, ever. You know, you, you know, until maybe it was a hundred years ago where people had to do that job because they couldn't get another job, you know, and you, and they were a captive audience, but today's employees have plenty of options. And the fact of the matter is an employee is going to stay with a company that treats them well. And I'm not saying financially treats them well, 
is it listens to what they have to say, has good processes and procedures, has, uh, has everything organized. You will keep your staff if you have good leadership skills and good ma- management skills. And if you find that you're getting over a 3% uh, turnover in your company, right, then look in the mirror. It isn't them. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, so that's a good gauge for everybody that you need to kind of get your act together. Um, Kyle, I'll let you have the last word. What would you say in that regards? Be, be that leader that takes the time out to focus on your employees. Be, be intentional. Put it in your schedule, right? There's, a, there's the phrase management by walking around, right? A lot of people probably heard that before. And whether you have a physical place you get to walk around because of the organization or it's, you know, online or whatever, but find a way to walk around and get exposed to the work of your employees, preferably while they're doing it. Right, so that you can appreciate the, the work that they're doing as they do it. There's something really rewarding about knowing when a boss comes around the corner that they're about to say something encouraging to you, not to criticize you. So fi- find the time to spend with employees intentionally to catch them doing something good. And it's very basic stuff. I get it, but it's easy to forget in the busyness of running a business. So I would I would encourage that. And then when you do it, hold that space that is that creates ease and comfort and safety for that employee. And and that's as simple as a smile, right? It doesn't, it's nothing complicated here, but when you do that, the trust goes up. In sales, we hear about the no like and trust. In leadership, we need to continually be creating that triangle, no like and trust, no like and trust, and it's gonna continue to increase and grow. And when you do that, of course, your employees will also grow and improve in their the quality of work that they perform and the quality of, of effort they put in. Sounds good. All right. I'd like to thank so very much Kyle Gillette from Blue Shirt Consult um Colting, I'm sorry, Blue Shirt Coaching for coming on today's podcast. And if you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Also, it, you know, if you like today's podcast, please also give us a five-star review or any of the other podcasts we've done or, you know, overall the whole our uh, our whole uh podcast. Um it helps us get the word out. And of course, if you're looking for a line of credit, um, please visit us at fscreditline.com. Again, that's FS as in financing solutions, creditline.com. Kyle, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? Yep. Go to blueshirtcoaching.com and you can connect with me there. Or of course, you can find me on LinkedIn. Just look up Kyle Gillette and you'll see an image of me and you can connect with me there and love to chat. Thanks for coming on today. Thank you. So uh, summary, I think my big takeaway today is nobody wants to be that dictatorial leader leader anymore. I mean, I guarantee you if if, uh, most people who are still in that style don't feel good about themselves as leaders. So, you know, the net amount is start listening, start listening, you know, find the opportunities, make a cup of coffee performance reviews, maybe uh, uh, lunch like I suggested, or just walking around and asking what everybody did that weekend. Okay. Start listening. It'll make a big difference. And other than that, I want to thank everybody for listening again today to the Entrepreneur MBA podcast. It was a great podcast. I enjoyed it. And as usual, I learned a lot. Have a great day, everybody.